Well, hey guys, we're going to get started tonight. Uh, it was Super Tuesday and some folks talking about politics and uh, who's going to win, who's going to win, uh, and it's all still up in the air, but at the end of the day, uh, there's one winner, and guess what, we didn't even have to vote for him, uh, and his name's Jesus, and so that's pretty darn awesome, um, and we're going to be talking a lot about uh, his victory uh, tonight as we... Uh, spend some time in God's Word. Uh, we're doing things different tonight. There's no worship. That was a, a development as of this afternoon when Mariah's mother uh, came up from six hours away uh, to have dinner. And so uh, I told Mariah, take the night off and hang out with your mom. And so she she said, that sounds like a good plan. Thank you. And uh, so, yeah, we are going to just do Bible study night. It's a small group. Uh, so that's totally... Awesome, just to dive right into Bible study. I've got the handy-dandy whiteboard pen and a gigantor notepad uh, because we're going to be in a portion of Scripture that I really like tonight. And uh, there's just some really good information uh, to digest as we hit First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4. Uh, if you're taking notes, uh, the sermon series that we've been going through as we've been going through the book of First Thessalonians, we titled the sermon series Knowing. Uh, and it is uh, future, hope, and Jesus. Uh, those are three uh, things that we really are focusing on as we go through the book of First Thessalonians. In uh, just a way of review, uh, before I get to the review, I have some fun stats uh, for you guys tonight. Uh, last week, our church started posting our sermons uh, to the internet, and we have a, sound, uh, a SoundCloud account, so if you have a smartphone... Download SoundCloud, uh, make an account, it's free, uh, and follow Hillside Christian Fellowship, and you will uh, get all our sermons when they're uploaded, which is super awesome, um, just because of the way we've been uh, indexing our sermons and whatnot. Uh, Ecclesia's sermons uh, are all up there. We're up to date with Ecclesia, uh, and then Sunday morning sermons uh, are all the way uh, every Sunday morning sermon we've had on Revelation, uh, dating all the way back to September of 2015, is up. Sunday night sermons are up. Uh, so there's a lot of sermons. We have over 115 sermons online right now for uh, your listening pleasure. And as the person who's in charge of that site, uh, I get to see the insights of who's been listening to us uh, and where they're from, because uh, we've had over 97 of our sermons listened to in the last week, and here's some fun stats. I think this is cool. It's going to make sense in just a second. Um, but we have 49 sermons that were listened to in Belgium, uh, 33 in Germany, 34 in the United States, uh, uh, 32 from uh, the Netherlands, and then some from like New Zealand. Mexico and Switzerland. So those were th those are the people who are listening to us. Uh, some people who've downloaded our sermons are people from like uh, we've had seven of our sermons downloaded. Two were downloaded from some internet cafe in Belgrade, Serbia, which that's kind of cool. Uh, Saint Petersburg, Russia. Uh, so we're all over the the spot. But this is the one that's super cool. Twenty two of our sermons have been liked because you can click a little heart and it's like I really like this sermon. Uh, 22 of them have been liked from someone in Greece, uh, from the city of Thessalonica. Uh, so someone has listened to 22 of our sermons in Thessalonica, and they liked all 22 of them. 
Uh, and so I was like, oh, now that's cool because we're talking about your hometown. Uh, and so just super fun. Uh, so that's a segue into this is a letter uh, that Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, a church uh, that had been in existence uh, for about a year when Paul had uh, written this letter to them. Paul had established this church uh, in just three short weeks uh, as he was going through um, the region of Macedonia and Achaia. He was preaching. And he spent a lot of time in most of the cities, but he was driven out of Thessalonica, uh, as Acts tells us, by lewd men of the baser sort. Uh, and these men were bad, but in those three weeks, Paul had established elders, he'd established church order, uh, and he established a church in Thessalonica. Uh, Paul commends them on their maturity uh, and how they are a mature church, and he commends them on three very specific things. Uh, if you have a Facebook and, and if you watch our uh, video devotions, I talked about this yesterday, actually. Uh, and it was just that they have uh, a, a work of faith, a labor of love, and a patience of hope. Three things that define a healthy Christian, a mature Christian, a healthy church, and a mature church uh, is, is faith that's working, love that's laboring, uh, and hope that is being put into action. And so those were some of the things that Paul commended this church on. Uh, and in the last few weeks, as we've been going through, we've looked at how those played a role in the church. Uh, then we looked at how Paul operated with this church. Then we saw how Paul was just longing to be with the church, uh, and he sent his buddy Timothy back to the church. Then we talked about last week how, how Paul uh, desired that the church would abstain from, uh, from all sin, uh, and that they would pursue holiness, that they would love one another, that love would abound. Uh, if you remember that this book is actually divided into three distinct areas, uh, these three distinct areas are based off of faith, love, and hope. And the first uh, chapter is really Paul, um, he's remembering their past as he looks at their work of faith. And in chapters uh, two, three, and in the first part of four, we see him looking at their labor of love as he begins to refocus their present. Uh, and say, hey, there's a lot of things that can grab your attention, but let's refocus your present on love. What does love mean? And love abounding. And then as we get to chapters 4 uh, and 5, we're going to see him really take a time uh, to look uh, and, and to patiently await their future uh, and their hope that they have in Christ. And, and, and so some things took place in the Thessalonican church uh, in the first year uh, of, of their life. Um, some things that are going to continue on over into 2 Thessalonians as we're going to be in 2 Thessalonians in just two short weeks. Um, there were these people who were going around telling the church, hey, you missed the rapture, uh, and Christ has already returned, and you missed it. You're not, you're not a follower of Christ. Uh, or maybe you are, you just weren't good enough. And so Paul's going to break down some things for them. So this is where we pick up. Verse 13 of chapter 4. Y'all got your Bibles? All right, this is what it says. My Bible is falling apart. I've already lost 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 once before. I will not lose it again. Um, this is what it says, picking up in verse 13. It says this, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and well 
or, or who alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall be always with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that your word is alive. Uh, God, that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. God, we thank you that your word uh, speaks life, that your word speaks truth, uh, that your word uh, is, 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 is timeless. Uh, and God, that we can bank on it. Uh, God, I just pray that tonight, as we spend these next moments looking at what your perfect word has to say to us, uh, God, that we would be inspired and encouraged and challenged by what your word has to say. Uh, God, may we be built up in our most holy faith. May we, like Paul, as, as, as Paul writes to this church, uh, may we not be ignorant concerning these things. Uh, but God, may our ears be open to hear. Uh, may our head be open to receive the knowledge. May our heart uh, be open to receive this truth. Uh, God, and may we just be in a place where we receive um, the truth from your word, and may we be built up in our most holy faith. So God, I just pray that tonight none of these would be my words, but God, that you would speak through me. Anything that would be of me may, uh, may just not be able to get out of my mouth, Lord God, that the, your perfect words would come through. So God, we just thank you, and we praise you in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So Paul is going to use some words and some phrases that we don't use very often uh, in the English language. When he goes on to talk about uh, some specific things here, he says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Um, why would Paul care what we think about people who are sleeping? Uh, how many of you guys, by just a show of hands or a nod of heads, uh, how many of you guys enjoy sleep? You guys enjoy falling asleep? Maybe it takes long for some of you, and you're like, I don't really enjoy it. Uh, but how many of you have been cold? Uh, been cold. Yeah, I've been cold. Uh, how many of you guys have had a cold, and you took like NyQuil to like help you sleep, oh. and like you don't actually remember falling asleep because you just got NyQuil? Uh, <laughs> like, like, oh, man, I just got NyQuil. Great, man. It's already six in the morning. What happened? Yeah, like falling asleep. Uh, it's nine already. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but this is what it says, uh, and, and, and this is what Paul is talking about, as, as I'm sure uh, all of you guys already know, when it says concerning those who have fallen asleep. Uh, he's talking about those who have died. Uh, he's talking about family members. He's talking about friends, co-workers, and whatnot uh, who have died. He says, uh, if, if we were to read this in a more um, current uh, transliteration, it would say this, but I don't want you to be confused about these things, my brothers, concerning your friends who have died lest you be sorrowful um, as those who have no hope. Uh, in essence, what, what, what Paul is saying, he's saying, hey, I don't want you to be concerned. I don't want you to be confused. I don't want you to be wondering what's going on with those who have died um, because we don't sorrow like those who have no hope. What Paul is saying here is Paul is not saying we don't mourn uh, because we do mourn. If you've ever lost a loved one, there is mourning, and, 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 and there is sadness, there is tears, uh, and there is sorrow. But what Paul says is we do not sorrow or we do not mourn like those who have no hope. There's a difference between those who have hope and those who do not have hope. Now, I brought this because I want to use it tonight, uh, and if uh, I think Olivia and John would be the only ones who can attest to this. Uh, when I was their youth pastor, we used a whiteboard all the time. Yeah, and uh, so so my roots is with the whiteboard. 
uh, and I love uh, writing out things because it helps me conceptualize things. I actually like drawing things a lot more. Uh, so I've, I've drawn some pretty goofy things during some sermons in my day. Um, but re- remember, as we've been going through the book of 1 Thessalonians, we looked at faith, we've looked at love, and the other word uh, that we really wanted to focus on was hope. So hope is something specific. Does anyone remember what we said hope was? The absolute expectancy, expectancy of good to come. It is the absolute expectancy of good to come. Uh, that is not the hopeful expectancy. It is the absolute expectancy. This word absolute is a word um, that is much more than a Swedish vodka. Uh, it is a word that means this is a fact. It is solid. There is no change. It is absolute. Absolute. Let's name maybe some absolutes uh, that we have in the world around us. Okay, gravity is an absolute. What's another absolute that we might have? We live in a very carefree world if there's not that many absolutes. Aging. Okay, aging. Yeah, aging is an absolute. Debt is an absolute. What? Darkness is an absolute. Yeah, I mean, darkness is the absence of light. That is absolute. Yeah. Uh, Liv, did you say one? Oxygen. Uh, yeah, there, there is oxygen. Uh, we need oxygen to breathe. Uh, so that's O2. Um, what's that? Zero. Zero is absolute. <laughs> and uh, if you know anything about temperature, Kelvin. Uh, yeah. So, so, so there, there, there's absolutes. There's, there, there's things that are realities. Uh, we live in a world that doesn't like realities. Uh, and they say, hey, what might be true for you isn't true for me. But hey, there's no absolute truths. Um, that in and of itself is a conundrum. Uh, and it's an oxymoron uh, because an absolute truth, a truth is an absolute, and an absolute is a truth, so you can't not have an absolute truth because they define each other. Uh, so when someone says you can't have an absolute truth, you, you can look at them and be like, well, truth defines absolute and absolute defines truth, so how can you not have an absolute truth? It just, it's mind-blowing to me, and there is an absolute truth. What are some absolute truths? Heaven, right? And... Hell, those are two absolute truths. One's better than the other, obviously. Uh, some other absolute truths, God and devil, right? Absolute truths, good and evil, okay? Now, some people might say, well, your good is different than my good. No, 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 because there are absolutes, and these absolutes here, good and evil, are defined by morals. And there is ab. Absolute morality. Okay, and there's people who like to argue that there's no such thing as absolute morality. Uh, there's some yahoos out there who write books, and a lot of colleges use them now today. Um, uh, John was actually in a philosophy class or something where he his assigned book was a book by a guy named Sam Harris. Is that yeah. correct? Where he tries to talk about how there's no morality, how we in and of ourselves uh, can create morality. Um, but the, the, the reality about morality is that it can only come from God. And the reason why every culture has at least some at the base level 
um, congruent moralities is because morality is in our genes as a result of being created in the image of God. God is absolutely moral, and so there's fibers and fabrics of that in us. But sin has polluted and diluted absolute morality in us, and so uh, it is our job as we follow Christ to imitate Christ, and Christ was perfect in morality, and he was absolute when it comes to those things. So all this being said, uh, this has nothing to do with what we're talking about tonight. I just got whiteboard crazy, remember? Uh, so absolute expectancy of good to come. What is the good to come? If we're talking about we do not mourn like those who have no hope, what is our hope? Our hope is our future with Jesus. So the absolute expectancy of good to come is a future in heaven. We have a future in heaven, and our future in heaven is with Jesus. That's pretty cool. I mean, that's putting it very lightly. Uh, we have this absolute expectancy of good to come. So we do not mourn like those who have no hope. This is what he goes on to say in verse 14. He says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. So, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, when God comes back, he will bring those who are dead in Christ. Paul goes on to break some things down for him. He says, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we are alive, or we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who uh, are asleep. So, there are people who are dead, there are people who are alive. We are in the alive camp currently. Uh, and what Paul tells uh, us is that we in no way are going to get to heaven before those who are already dead. Because what does Jesus say? He says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So, if you have died, we're told in Scripture that it is appointed for man to die once and to face judgment. So, when we die, we are... Our bodies may be buried in the ground. For some people, they may be cremated. Their ashes may be spread across the sea. For some people who met an untimely death, who knows what happened to their body. But uh, their body, their physical body is still here, but their spirit is in the presence of God. So we're not going to beat them there. But there's some other really cool things that Paul's talking about here because Jesus said, hey, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. If you remember when we were looking in, in, in John, as John's telling them, hey, I go to prepare a place for you. And then what does he say right after that? He says, if we're not sure, I would not say so. And I am going to come back for you. A lot of people like to talk about how, how Jesus never mentions a rapture, but the Greek word there of coming back for is, is to violently snatch and to bring those who are alive uh, in, in, in Christ with him to heaven. He's going to lay hold of us. And so people like to say, well, you know, Jesus never talks about the rapture, and you can have conjecture that Paul talks about the rapture, but the rapture is not even a real theology. And a lot of churches teach that today. It does not make them any less Christian. It just makes them that much more wrong. Uh, but I'm not going to, I'm not, I, I'm not going to land blast anything. It's just the Bible is very clear about what it says, uh, in my humble opinion. But I'm not anyone of any real importance in the theological world, but there are people who are important, and uh, they have the same thoughts uh, on this, and they, and they interpret Scripture this way. Uh, so Jesus does talk about this rapture, uh, and Paul's going to be talking about the rapture 
here as he's going to be jumping into uh, chapter 5 when he talks about the day of the Lord. But he says this, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout of the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So, at some point in the future, when Jesus returns, uh, and we hear about it, uh, we're, we're going to spend a lot more time talking about this when we get to Second uh, Thessalonians. And if you're in church on Sunday mornings, we're going through the book of Revelation, and, and we've already talked about the rapture quite a bit. But there's a time in the future where Jesus is going to descend from heaven. we got J.C. coming down uh, with the voice of a trumpet. Boom, trumpet. Ooh. Yeah, that does not look like a trumpet, but... <laughs> Don't tell Richard on Sunday morning that I can't draw a trumpet fast. Okay, uh, so Jesus is coming down, and it says that those who are dead in Christ, so they're down underground pushing daisies, right? Down underground pushing flowers, right? Okay, uh, it says that they will rise first. So their dead bodies are going to meet their spirit bodies in the sky, in the clouds, which is in the clouds. And it says that then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds and we will see the Lord in the air and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these things. Hey, here's some comforting words. Your dead loved ones who, um, who knew Jesus, you're going to be with them again. That's pretty comforting. But also, you yourself, if you are alive and you remain until the Lord comes, you're going to be with him in the clouds, in the moment, the twinkling of an eye, as First uh, Corinthians chapter 15 tells us. So here's the really cool thing. People who like to talk about the rapture and that the rapture is not in Scripture, you'll never see the word rapture in Scripture. Uh, this, this phrase here, everyone underline it in your Bibles. Uh, it is in verse 17 of chapter 4. It says, caught up. Caught up. Underline that in your Bible or, or, or write it in your notes. That word caught up there is the Greek word. Anyone know what the Greek word is? Rapture. Rapture. No. no. Raptus. No. Did you say reptilian? That's all. I said. Raptor. I yeah, that raptor. I said. Uh, yes, yes. It is. It, it, it is. Uh, no, it is harpazo. That was my second year. Harpazo. Boom. Harpazo is a pretty cool name. No, it. This is Greek. This is Koine Greek. So I'll put here next to it. Uh, is it an N or an yeah. R? Harpazo. Or, I mean, har, harpanzo. Harpanzo. Yeah. Harpanzo. Uh, I was just making up. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, now, the Latin translation of harpazo. So, so the Bible was written in in three languages. It was written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Now, late second century, third century, fourth century of Christianity. Uh, we see Latin because Latin was what was the the formal language of the Roman Empire, really primarily in Western Empire. Uh, the the Eastern Empire and the common tongue was Koine Greek. That's what everyone spoke. Koine Greek was the thing. Um, but when the Bible was translated into the Latin Vulgate, which became uh, the primary text of the organized Roman Catholic Church. Uh, it was translated into Latin, and the Latin word for harpazo is raptus. That is Latin. Okay. Um, so we get the English word from raptus. Anyone want to take a guess? Rapture. 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 Yeah, rapture. Nice. There we all go. And here, that's it. Here. Yeah. Oh. 
Okay, so rapture, it is that being caught up. Harpazo entails that it is a violent snatching up. So it would be, um, I don't have, like, when a cat's doing something the cat's not supposed to, you like, you get behind it and you just swing, like, you, you pick them up violently. That was, that was, that was a nice swing thing right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm in this new denim jacket and it's hard to move around in it. Uh, so so it's, it's violently snatching up and, and, and that's what Jesus is going to do. He comes, he's in the air, and we who are alive and remain, we will be caught up. So now the church in Thessalonica uh, was being told that they had missed this day. That hey, sorry, the trumpet already sounded, boys. Uh, and this is what it says, picking up in chapter five, verse one. It said, "But concerning the, uh, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write you, for you yourself perfectly know that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night." For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, has labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day, and we are not of night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as those who do, but let us be watchful and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of our salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort one another and edify one another, just as you are also doing. So, here's some things. Paul told them, hey, be comforted, comfort one another, that you will see your, your loved ones again. He goes on to say, hey, I don't have to write you, but I'm going to anyways, because some of you are being deceived that this day has already happened. The reality is this day comes like a thief in the night. Jesus, in his Mount Olivet discourse, he talked about how, hey, if you knew the day when a robber was going to come, wouldn't you like, lock the doors? Wouldn't you be ready for him? You know, uh, and, and so is the coming of the Son of Man. Um, Jesus, when he returns, no man knows the day or the hour. Only the Father knows the day or the hour. And so it will catch us off guard. It's going to be like a thief in the night. Now, he has some very important things to say to us uh, as we get down a little bit further on. But he says some things that I think are very, very important. He says this. Uh, in verse 3, he says, For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Peace and safety sound like two really good things, don't they? Mm -hmm. um, peace and safety are, are great things. And uh, Jesus is all about peace. Uh, and, you know, in many cases, Jesus is all about safety also. Um, but... This is prophetic in nature when it says, they shall say peace and safety. Um, I'm going to take a drink of water because my mouth is really parched. But this is a, it's really important prophetically. And we're going to talk a little bit of biblical prophecy tonight. Is that okay? I don't even know what time it is. Okay, I've only been talking for a half hour, so we got another hour in this. Okay. Um, so I'm going to turn this sideways. No, I'm not, because that's going to really mess up the papers. Um, so I'm going to flip over a paper, and we're going to do some biblical prophecy.
going to sound really loud on the recording. It's going to be like, we're going through a tunnel. Um, okay, so uh, some biblical prophecy. We got ourselves a little timeline right here. Boom, we like timelines up in this place. We're going to start with the cross, okay? Jesus, then we got his ascension right here. Jesus goes up into heaven and is chilling with us. This is J-C-N-H, okay? Jesus is in heaven, and he is in heaven continuously, okay? We have the church being established and whatnot. A very important date happens, 70 AD, which is the destruction of the temple. Uh, Jesus foretold it in the Mount Olivet Discourse. Daniel foretells it. Uh, and and it, it was a thing that took place. Uh, and the Jews, uh, they rebelled against Rome. Rome came down like a hammer, squashed Jerusalem. Uh, they sacrificed uh, idols to Zeus, or they sacrificed sacrifices to Zeus in the temple. Uh, and this is the abomination that causes desolation. Uh, there are multiple times there's an abomination that causes desolation. It happened before Jesus uh, in, uh, when Antiochus Epiphanes uh, sacrificed a pig in the temple. Uh, he was Greek. That started the Maccabean Revolt. Daniel talks about the abomination that causes desolation. So people who do not believe uh, in the rapture, people who do not believe in a prophetic interpretation of Revelation, would say that all these things took place in 70 AD. They didn't. Revelation, that's a topic for a different time. We're doing that on Sunday mornings. But for our uh, case uh, study tonight, 70 AD is when Israel stops becoming a nation. Okay, uh, They were expelled from Jerusalem. It's in about 130 that they are expelled from Palestine completely during the Bar Kokhba revolution. Um, and so Jews are completely uh, kicked out. Now, the church is still around, um, and the church carries on throughout this time. Now, there's going to be a time uh, when the trumpet sounds so I'm going to do a better job drawing a trumpet. I'm embarrassed by my last trumpet drawing. Okay, so the trumpet's going to sound. Okay. And the dead in Christ will rise first. You guys can tell me that's a good-looking trumpet. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's a good trumpet. Okay. Good so, so the, thank you, John. <laughs> so at the trumpet sounding, Jesus is going to come down to the clouds. Okay. Do my best Toy Story room impression, right? The clouds, and it says that those who are dead, they're pushing daisies, and Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together in the air with Jesus, okay? And we will be with the Lord forevermore. So this is this event that is the rapture, okay? This is going to happen at some future time, and this is going to come as a thief in the night. Now, biblical, biblical prophecy breaks some things down for us. Jesus, when Jesus is talking about the end times, in Matthew chapter 24, in the Mount Olivet Discourse, Jesus goes on to break down how men and women will be walking in the field and doing all these things, and one will be gone, and one will be remain. talks about how there's wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, natural disasters, all these things, and, and when you see these signs, the end is coming. And he goes on to say this, he says, the generation that sees the tree bud again will not pass until this takes place, until the end comes. Uh, now, in biblical prophecy, um, there, there's a few things we can look at. Uh, one can be, know the signs of the times. When a tree buds, you know that summer's just around the corner. Okay, You walk outside, you see, hey, they're starting to be green. It's springtime. It's starting to be green. Summer is just around the corner. They didn't have 
fancy calendars and smartphones back in the first century. So they knew that when a tree started to bud, summer was going to come. So that's a very literal interpretation of that. And that interpretation is 100% right. Jesus says, hey, know the time, know the seasons, know what's happening around you. Because when you start seeing these signs, it's going to be like a tree that is pointing to summer is coming. Jesus is saying it's the same thing. When you see these signs, it's pointing that the end is coming. But what Jesus refers to, when Jesus refers to a tree, he refers to the fig tree. And when the fig tree buds again, uh, that generation that sees that will not perish. So, fig tree, awesome. Fig newtons, they taste delicious, okay? Uh, that's not what Jesus is getting at here. He doesn't just pick a fig tree for any random reason. He picks it for a very specific reason. Uh, the fig tree in Scripture has been symbolic of Israel. So, during the time where Jesus is giving them out all of that discourse uh, in Matthew chapter 24, Israel is a nation. They are being ruled and they're under the occupation of Rome, but they are a nation. So no one at the time would have ever thought of it as when Israel restarts, because Israel was currently going. But to us, in retrospect, looking back at it, we see that Israel ceased to be a nation. But something took place in 1948, after World War II, when the United Nations said, you know what? Jews, they need a homeland. They've been being mistreated for 2,000 years. Let's give them back the land that God promised them. So they were given back their land, Israel, right there on the Mediterranean Sea, beautiful land, and it was given back to them. So at that point, Israel became a nation again. So then the question would be asked, well, Jesus says the generation that sees this happen uh, will not die until the end. What's a generation? We don't know. I mean, we just don't know. Um, but biblically, we see that Israel was in captivity for four generations. We see elsewhere that it was talked about that they were in captivity for 400 years. So does that mean that biblically a generation is 100 years? Maybe, maybe, uh, but I would lean to the fact that, yeah, probably. Uh, now, Jesus tells us that no man knows the day or the hour, and we should not get caught up on trying to decide when Jesus is going to return. We're told to be aware of the signs, and that's what Paul tells the church here at Thessalonica. He says, he says this, he said, But you, brother, uh, concerning the signs of the times, of the seasons, therefore, brethren, I have no need to write you, for you yourselves know that the perfectly the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. Hey, you know you don't know when it's going to happen. But you can at least have a general idea of when it's going to happen. Peace and safety. So, in the mid-60s, there was something that took place called the Six Days of War. Uh, Israel was attacked on all of its borders. Uh, in Israel, this little nation defeated like six other nations. And it was like, you leave us alone, this is our land. Uh, and they showed their global might. It was pretty awesome. After that, there was a summit held by the United Nations where... They proclaimed, literally, like on the pamphlets that are being handed out, peace and safety is here. Boom. Like, we are living in an age of peace and safety. Well, that sounds great to the world. That sounds great. Miss America, world peace, like, yeah, we're all for it. Those are great things. And ideally, that's what God's for. Because God created this to be in peace and harmony, but we mess it up. And there will be a day when peace is restored to the earth. But... That will not happen until the end happens first. And so peace and safety are the very things that the Antichrist that is talked about in the book of Revelation, he's going to be a proponent of. Peace. Hey, let's get rid of all the wars. Let's bring peace. Let's bring safety. Let's bring harmony. It's going to be good again. Um, we're told when those things are said, 
that's when the end is coming on us and we not uh, we need not be caught off guard like a thief in the night. And that's what Paul goes on to say for us here in chapter 5. He says this, uh, that when they say these things, there's going to be labor pains like a pregnant woman. These labor pains, uh, theologians have said, uh, are those thundering earthquakes, those, those violent natural disasters, those wars and rumors of wars. Whether they are or they're not, that, that, that isn't the point. That isn't the point. Uh, the next big earthquake that hits, is that going to be the sign that the, that the rapture is just around the corner? Maybe, probably not, because we've been having great earthquakes since the beginning of creation. We've been having storms and wars. Yeah, they've always been here. They've always been here. Now, there are some things to be said about war, and war at the scale it is today. War is ten times, a million times more uh, effective at killing people than it was 2,000 years ago. So, so there is something to say there that the, the, the wars that we have today uh, are a lot greater when it comes to uh, killing destructiveness. Um, but to the Christian, um, we're not to sit back and watch and be like, oh man, the next earthquake, that could be the rapture. You know, like trying to point out things that are just natural. Uh, our job is to not point out the natural things and be like, hey, you know what? End of the world's coming. No. Uh, where to go out, we're supposed to tell people, hey, put your faith in Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. That's the important thing. Uh, but we are told that we are not to be caught off guard. It says this, but you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. Paul says, hey, here's the reality. You don't live in sin. You are not in darkness. John tells us that, 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 that um, we are children of the light. Uh, we are children who have been born again, and uh, if we were children of darkness, then sin would abound, uh, but since we've given our hearts to Jesus, then we are children of the light, and there is no darkness in us. And so what Paul tells us here is, hey, you're not of the darkness, that this day would take you like a thief in the night. You're not going to be left behind. If you put your faith in Jesus, you're not going to be left behind. This isn't going to be like a thief in the night kind of moment for you. You, you. You're a child of light. Hey, be ready. Jesus is coming back. And he'll take you, which is pretty awesome. And uh, how many of you guys were in church Sunday morning when the sound system made that nasty trumpeting, just super loud over the, oh, it was terrible. But my first reaction was I looked over at my dad. I'm like, Dad, hey, it's happening. And I literally jumped up as high as I could, and I said, head start? And, and, and I was like, I was like, I'm gonna be the first one up there. I'm gonna jump because I heard the trumpet sound, and, and we all got a chuckle out of it. It was great. The rapture didn't happen, and we're like, all right, next time. Um, but 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 the reality is, we're not of the darkness, so this is not gonna like sneak up on us, because Jesus is gonna be like, ha, 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 I snuck up on you, Josh. Boom, I got you. No, he's gonna be like, Josh, come on home. And and and, and, and so it's not gonna be something that catches us off guard. Now we might not be expecting it. Like, think about if we're all like at like a youth retreat or something, and, and we're like cliff jumping, because that's what youth retreats are for, like being careless and reckless. And we're like, you run, and you like jump off the cliff to go into the water, and the rapture happens, and you're like, I am literally flying. This is cool. Um, so that might catch you off guard. But when we hear that trumpet sound and the voice of the archangel, and Jesus saying, hey, come on home, I don't think we're going to be like, ah, oh, man, Jesus, you should have come at a better time. No, we're going to be like, hey, yeah, heaven yes, this is awesome. And... Uh, so what Paul's telling them is not, hey, you're going to know the day and the hour. You know the, time, the times and the seasons and all those things. Hey, it's okay. You know when it's going to happen. That's all he's saying. 
Because Jesus says, nobody knows, not even me, but the Father knows. Like, Jesus is up there, hey, God, we going now? we going now? And so, Paul's not telling them, you know when it's going to happen. He's saying, uh, you're chosen, so when it happens, you're not going to be caught off guard. And so that's what Paul's saying here. But what I really want to get down to, uh, and what I want us to break down, uh, is in verse 9 where it says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a big contingency uh, of Christianity that believes um, that the rapture is, is not a reality. There's a big contingency of Christianity uh, that has a different eschatological view than we do. Eschatology is the study of end times. Uh, and, and we would hold a um, premillennial, uh, pre-tribulation rapture. So, so, so what we believe is that there is going to be a great tribulation, Daniel 70th 7. Uh, if you want more information on that, come thir- uh, Friday morning to Truth Seekers. It's a great time. Uh, t- uh, 9.30 in this room. It's a great time. Uh, so that's an unashamed plug for, for that Bible study. But... Uh, um, we believe that there's going to be this seven-year period that takes place that's talked about all throughout the book of Revelation and in the book of Daniel, that before that, there is going to be the rapture where the church is caught up to meet God in the air, and then after all of this, there is going to be a millennial reign. Um, that's what we believe. That's the eschatology that we hold. That was a very overview, uh, cursory uh, of that, but um, there are some who believe in uh, what is called amillennialism, uh, and then that is that we are living in a figurative millennial reign right now. That uh, since the church is here, that is God's peace on earth. Uh, and they have a lot of backing for that. Um, but I, in my humblest opinion, believe they're wrong. Because I believe the Bible points out um, that the end is going to come. The church will be taken. Then God's going to unleash his wrath. And I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. Um, but then there are those who believe that the rapture is going to happen after the Great Tribulation. And that's really what I want us to focus on um, because there's a group that believes that the rapture takes place after the Great Tribulation or that there isn't a rapture at all, that, that we as the church, we are going to go through the Great Tribulation. Um, and, they, and they back this with Jesus. When Jesus talks in Matthew chapter 24, when Jesus talks about the end times, he says, you will face various trials and tribulations. Uh, and they're like, hey, look, Jesus said that the church is going to go through trial and tribulation. Mm-hmm. Um, why does the 21st century church uh, try and escape trial and tribulation by saying, hey, the rapture's coming, the end is near? And so people who are proponents of no rapture or a late rapture theology uh, like to say that we believe in escapist theology, uh, that, that we, as people who believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, uh, we're just saying, hey, we don't want hard times. God, get us out of here. So we're just trying to find in Scripture excuses so that we don't have to go through hard times. Now, I can see where they're coming from, uh, but they are very wrong when they say this. Uh, they, they like to quote that, hey, we're going to face wrath, we're going to face tri- trial, we're going to face tribulation. Um, but this is what Paul tells us in verse 9 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So if, if ever you talk to a Christian who says, hey, we're going through the tribulation, we're going to go through it, like, it's going to suck, but hey, let's just be ready. Um, you can point into this verse and hopefully bring some clarity. It says this, For God did not appoint us, being the church, to wrath, 
but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. So, people who are non-Christians say, well, this is contradiction. Paul says that we weren't appointed for wrath. Jesus says you are appointed for wrath. That's a contradiction. We have to understand the kind of wrath that is being talked about here. When Jesus talked about wrath, Jesus was talking about the wrath of man. You're going to face wrath from the world because they persecute you. They bring trials to you. They bring tribulation to you because they are anti-God. They are anti-Christ. They are against the church. You will face that wrath. The wrath that Paul is talking about here and the wrath that is going to come during the Great Tribulation is the wrath of God, God's wrath. Where God says, you know what? I'm done. Here's some poetic justice. You say you want to try and do it without me? I'm, I'm withdrawing for seven years. Do your, do your best. And they fail, and God says, all right, here we go. Boom, wrath. And so uh, we, were, we were not created, we were not appointed for the wrath of God. Uh, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the wrath of God was already poured out on Jesus. So when you gave your heart to Jesus Christ, you are now free of the wrath of God. Now, when you gave your life to Jesus, uh, you signed up for the wrath of the world. Uh, hey, wrath of the world, two, two or 2016, awesome, I bought tickets. Um, yeah, when you gave your heart to Jesus, you signed up for that, but you did not sign up for the wrath of God. And so that's what Paul is saying here, for we are not appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together in him. So hey, whether we die or we're alive when he comes back, we're going to be with him because we're not appointed for his wrath. He is a God who saves. And when you look at it from the very beginning of creation to the current day, God is a God of salvation. God is a God who, who pulls people out. Look at Noah. Look at the ark. The ark, in a, in a typological sense, Noah and his family represent the church. The ark represents heaven. And, and, and the flooding earth is the earth that is being destroyed during the Great Tribulation. And when all is said and done, when Noah's ark lands and sends out the dove and it brings back the grass and they start anew, that's the millennial reign. So, so there's types all throughout Scripture of God saving his chosen, of God saving his people. So the reality is we're not appointed for death. We're not appointed for wrath. We're not appointed for, um, for destruction. Gotta, uh, John and Liv got to bounce out. We're going to wrap up. We're going to wrap up in probably uh, 10 minutes or so. We'll see you guys. Love you guys. Oh, man, that water is so good tonight. I don't know why I'm so parched uh, this evening. I think it might have been the Subway sandwich I ate right before this. It, like, zapped my taste buds, and I'm so dry. I'm just like, I can drink a swimming pool of ice water right now. Oh, yeah, it's terrible, terrible. I, I should have known better, because then when you speak, you're like, you, you guys get most of my moisture sitting in the front row. And so it's just like, I know. Josh is like, I didn't take a shower this morning. That's why I sit in the front row. Tuesday night's my shower day. That's good. Um, so, Paul. It's going to be great for a couple of nights. I know, right? Sorry, online listeners. Grab a spray bottle and about every five minutes of the sermon, spray yourself in the face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so some really cool things that I think we can pull uh, from Paul talking about the end times. Um, two times he says comfort one another with these things. Uh, the two things that he says comfort one another with are, hey, we do not mourn like those who have no hope. And in the end, if you put your faith in Jesus, you are going to be with him forever. Um, hope, 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 hope.
hope is Paul saying here. We have an ex- absolute expectancy of good that is coming. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, if your loved ones have put their faith in Jesus Christ, uh, then you will spend an eternity with them, with the Lord in heaven. Uh, and that should give hope. Uh, and that should bring comfort. Um, and it should also bring purpose to the way we live our lives. Uh, because I know myself, and I know all of you, uh, we have friends, we have family members who do not know the Lord. I nod ahead. Does that sound about right? We have friends and family members who do not know the Lord. And, and we have hope. And they need that hope. Um, we want to mourn like those who have hope. We don't want to mourn like those who don't have hope. Uh, if, if we have lost or, or if we, we have loved ones who aren't saved, who haven't put their faith in Jesus, uh, when they die, the Bible gives us the ultimate reality that they are going to spend an eternity separated from God. And that should inspire us to go tell them about the hope that we have. Our our friends, uh, our loved ones, uh, they need to know the gospel. They need to know the hope that is found in Jesus. Uh, and Paul says it there in chapter 5. He says, no one knows the day or the hour. It's going to be a thief in the night. So you, maybe you have a lot of time. Maybe you don't have a lot of time. Uh, I think it was when I was in fifth grade or so, someone said, hey, Lydia, they had this is the last day. Um, they they, they changed that up in about 2013 and said YOLO, you only live once or who would ever, you know. Um, but but that's that's not what I'm getting at here. Live, live each day as if it's your last day. If this was your last day, if you were told you have 60, no, there's not 60 minutes in a day. 60 minutes in an hour, that's 24 hours in a day. If someone told you you have 24 hours left, what would you do? Buy a plane ticket to the most beautiful place on earth and look awesome. Cool. Uh, well, I'd, I'd go do something crazy, I'll say. Uh, but at the end of the day, you have 24 hours to live. Who, who's left on your list you need to tell about Jesus? Mm-hmm. And we should live each day as if it's the last day. So after day one, you told all your friends that you need to tell about Jesus. You go out and tell other people person in the gas station, the person at McDonald's, the person at Walmart. You go just tell people about Jesus, because that's what we're told to do. We're to make disciples of all people. And um, no man knows when it's going to happen. But we're told, hey, know the signs and the times. It's It's got to be soon. It's got to be soon. So we're running out of time. Uh, but don't let that be discouraging. Let that be encouraging. Because the Lord's coming back soon. We're going to be with him forever more. Comfort one another with these things. And if your loved ones, your friends have put their faith in Jesus, then you're going to be with them also, with the Lord forevermore. And so uh, we're not appointed for wrath, but the wrath of God. We will face the wrath of the world. Uh, but Jesus said, Hey, I'm with y'all. I'm with y'all. I'm with you. They persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Stand strong. Stand strong. I think we talked about it last week. What does uh, Paul tell the church there in Rome? He says, hey, glory in your tribulation. For tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. 
that hope does not disappoint. Tribulation comes, we have hope. And so, let's take that hope with us everywhere we go and bring it to the world around us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that your word is true. We thank you that your word is perfect. God, we thank you that your word encourages us and inspires us uh, to put our faith into action, to put our love into action. God, I just pray that tonight, each and every single one of us, uh, we would hear the words that you write. Uh, and as you speak these to us, Lord God, we would all be, uh, God, just built up. Uh, God, that we would be comforted, uh, that the rapture has not happened yet. That we would be comforted, uh, that our, our loved ones who have gone on before us, who, who loved you, we will see them again, and we'd more like we, we are not more like those who have no hope. And God, that we would be comforted uh, in that uh, we will be with you forevermore. Uh, God, we thank you. God, we apologize for the ignorance of the church in, in, in many years uh, and all our varying different eschatologies and trying to say, well, we're right, you're wrong, and all that. Uh, it's one of the very things that you told us not to be ignorant about, uh, but we've been pretty ignorant about it. So God, uh, help us find clarity in your word. Uh, God, and help us find purpose in your word. So God, we just thank you and we praise you. In your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, amen. Amen.